This podcast is supported by VEPLA, Victorian Planning Environmental Law Association. Welcome to the Planning Exchange. I'm Jess Noonan and always I'm joined by Peter Jewell. Great to hear your voice again, Jess. You too. Now, if you're a planner or built environment professional, chances are you developed your passion for this industry through your childhood, teenage or even adult love of a computer game called SimCity. I'm beyond excited today to be talking with Stone Lebrande, who was one of the head designers at Riot, Riot Games who worked on the 2013 version of SimCity. I was one of these SimCity enthusiasts and I must admit, as research to today's podcast, I downloaded SimCity to my phone a few nights ago and it's just as good as I remember and wow, significantly far more advanced than the game I fondly remember as a kid. So welcome to the show, uh, Stone. Are you there? Uh, yes, I am. Thanks there for inviting are. me. Happy no to be problems. here. Would you mind just giving a quick overview of your background and experience? Um, yeah, I started out in college. I wanted to do film and animation. And right around that time, it was going from kind of the traditional hand, um, hand inked Disney formats to more computer graphics. So I realized that if I wanted to really be kind of relevant in the industry, I would have to get more computer experience. Um, so I went to MIT, got my master's degree at the Media Lab, where I studied computer graphics. And then from there, it was a few other little things happened between then and the video game industry. Um, but ultimately, there was a real close association between computer graphics and video games, obviously. So I started my career at Blizzard Entertainment, uh, working on a game called Diablo 3. And I started as a computer engineer there um, and eventually worked my way through uh, different parts of the industry until I became a designer. And Stone, how did you become involved in SimCity? Um, so SimCity was a project, uh, made, the company, the studio that makes it is called Maxis and they're part of Electronic Arts. And after Blizzard, I worked at Maxis on a game called Spore. And I don't know if you're familiar with the game Spore. My, my kids played it. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, it's like it's this epic game where you start in a little tide pool and then you kind of work your way up and get legs and get on land and build cities and eventually you colonize the whole planet and then go into space and then at the end you're colonizing the galaxy. So it's this really epic long game. Um, and after I'd finished that project, kind of looking for my next thing to do, and the studio decided they would like to try to reboot the SimCity brand again and asked me to be the lead designer on that project. Incredible. And so, Stone, did you have any formal urban planning background or any kind of sort of education prior to working on SimCity? And if not, what sources did you use for your ideas? Um, yeah, so I had none at all. And in fact, when I was first offered the job to be the designer on SimCity, I kind of felt like maybe I should turn this down because I didn't really feel that much expertise in the subject. I'm like, what do I know about city planning? I'm not a great designer for this project. Uh, but one of the previous designers on SimCity uh, came to me and he's like, just have, just remember like SimCity, even though it's called SimCity, it's really, it's a game, it's a puzzle game at its core. And don't get too caught up in trying to be realistic and instead think more about the entertainment parts of it. Um, so that made me feel a little more comfortable about getting into it, approaching it from a game instead of trying to approach it from like, make a super accurate simulation of the world. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. So Stone, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was how did, was there any consistency in the in the SimCity brand in terms of the original game that was released in the, I think it was probably the 80s or the 90s in terms of the designers or the creators? 
Um, yeah, it was in, um, yeah, the game was originally came out in the late eighties, I believe. And there's certain similar patterns that have carried through the whole game, like, especially like with the zoning, with the residential, commercial, industrial, um, but the systems that we did in SimCity 2013 were kind of rethinking the entire engine from the bottom up. So mainly previous SimCities were more like a spreadsheet where it would just kind of look at the buildings and then say, oh, because these buildings are high density, I'm going to draw some traffic in the street right now. But the traffic was basically a, a side effect of the fact that there was a tall building nearby. Um, and we kind of turned everything around in SimCity 2013 and made the game what we called agent-based, which was that there's real like Sims that move around and they have to traffic, they have to use cars, which creates the traffic problems. Um, so instead of having traffic be a consequence of uh, like a side effect of high density, um, you'll actually see real traffic instead of just say a graphical representation of it. We thank Victorian Planning Reports, our very first supporter. If you want the A to Z of planning decisions in Victoria and excellent editorials, please get yourself a subscription to the VPRs. Details on our website. This podcast is supported by our wonderful friends at One Mile Grid. One Mile Grid is a boutique consulting firm which offers traffic and transport engineering, transport planning and waste management services. You can find out more by visiting their website at www.onemilegrid.com.au. How did you immerse yourself? You mentioned you didn't have city planning background. How did you immerse yourself in how cities work to give that more realistic feel to the, the newer version? Yeah, there's a lot of just tools that we have now that we didn't have in previous some cities, mostly like Google Maps, where we're able to kind of look all around the world. We can go into street view, we can drive down streets anywhere where in previous sim cities, they actually would just kind of travel around the Berkeley area and near San Francisco, where I live. And so the game tended to have a more local feel to it because it was all the research was done just by kind of driving around their own cities. Um, and we were able to, you know, with the internet, just kind of go wherever we wanted to go and look at different cities um, and just also do a lot of the research that way. But I'd have to say probably of all the, in terms of hours spent, it was probably just watching Netflix documentaries about different assets of, of cities. And that's like the infrastructure and transport and water, presumably, and all, all those nitty gritty things that people don't normally think about, presumably. Yeah. And it's kind of, in some ways, a depressing part of my job. Like, it would be go home at night and then like, let's watch some videos. Let's watch some documentaries. And it's like, oh, this is how the water system is failing all around the world. This is the problems with the police system. This is problems with uh, the healthcare system. And so you start to get a peek into things that most people like, you know, that's not a great entertainment at night before you go to bed. Um, so I think it's easy to not really pay attention. Um, but when you immerse yourself into it for months and months, um, actually, for me, it was kind of like, oh, man, the world is really messed up right now. And Stone, do you feel like you could be an urban planner now <laughs> that you've done all that uh, research? <laughs> uh, no, because again, my research is very much, we, we try to extract out the entertaining parts of all of that, where it's like, oh, is it fun to have a natural disaster? I was like, of course not, right? Um, in the real world, but in SimCity, people will like spawn tornadoes and meteorites hitting the ground and, you know, all sorts of things and just kind of laugh at it. So it's a, it's a really different focus on the audience. Like we're not trying to educate directly, um, we're trying to entertain. 
that said, I really spent a lot of time trying to get these messages that I had been studying into the game in some form or another. Um, so that people who played it would come maybe like scratch their head and be like, oh, I didn't realize that. That's how that works. Um, so we can still try to educate, but it's kind of our second job, not our first. Yeah, of course. Was there a, um, out of interest, and I, I should have checked this beforehand, was there a, uh, a pandemic mode? <laughs> um, if, if there, there wasn't, then maybe that's a, one we should look at. Yeah, there is sort of, it wasn't a pandemic because um, it's a, just one city. So we're not going to be talking about like worldwide problems in that game. Um, but there is a healthcare system and there is um, basically an um, illness spreading system. So different Sims, you know, like I mentioned, there's actually these little agents running around the city. If one of them has an illness, there's a chance that that could propagate um, and that's dampened by the number of hospitals that you have built into your city. So if you don't have adequate healthcare and the sickness could start to spiral out of control, then again, just because we're, you know, entertainment's our main focus, we actually had the thing called the zombie plague, where if your city gets too sick at some point, there's a small chance that it'll turn into a zombie outbreak. And then it's not your healthcare system now your police system has to like deal with that so there's a these little kind of like jokes hidden in there um, for people who play the game a lot can find them so not dissimilar to the situation we're currently facing <laughs> yeah maybe yeah so, so um the the idea that the citizens well-being stone um is part of the game i, I think is a uh maybe a novel um approach a novel approach to this type of game uh and also the well-being, you know, and the happiness indexes and those sort of things, they were they were pretty novel at the time, correct? Oh yes. Um, in fact, I think if I was to do SimCity over again, I would take that out, uh, just because it was so difficult for even the development team to understand. So, like I said, in the old SimCities, they're almost more like a spreadsheet. Like you just plug things into a grid, the grid being like the different blocks of your city, and it just kind of tells you the answers. Um, so I could look at, say, like a snapshot of someone's SimCity game and tell them exactly what their crime rate would be, for instance. But in SimCity 2013, it's not predictable in that same way because you actually have to watch. It has to flow. It has to be in motion in order for it to make sense. So if you just take a snapshot, you're not really sure what might happen, you know, say a minute from now. Um, but that causes all sorts of issues with like it's really hard to tune the game. It's some, sometimes hard for players to understand cause and effect. So for instance, somebody gets up in the morning in SimCity and they're like, oh, should I um, go to work or should I go shopping? And depending on which route they take, it might cause a traffic jam somewhere else. So if everybody's going shopping, the commercial district might be very jammed up. Um, and we have kind of a day and night cycle too. So people want to go to sleep and you know go to commute. So you get these kind of traffic jams in the morning and the evening. And that's just kind of the the simulation just makes that happen. It's not something we had to like plan into the game. Um, it's like the so, ghost in the machine takes over or something. Yeah. And so you just kind of watch it and we would watch it and be like, wow, that's happening right now. Like that's really interesting. But we felt that that was kind of a better model of understanding um, like cities than say just a more analytical, just like, you know, A plus B equals C. It's like, no, it's a dynamic system. It's constantly in flux and you're managing it in real time. Stone, one of the other questions we had for you, because um, we'd, we'd done a little bit of research through other interviews that you'd done, and um, I was reading something that was really interesting, that there was an observation that you'd made around car parking um, in the development of SimCity 
2013 and how car parking takes up such a large percentage of urban spaces. How did that translate into the game? Yeah, I mean, the simple answer is we just made our parking lots really small. Um, but the, the issue that you were talking about is we were looking at a lot of Google Maps and trying to, we wanted to make the game as realistic looking as possible. Um, but when you look at satellite views of cities, especially like maybe a suburb type city like that you might make in SimCity, there's just parking lots everywhere for the grocery stores and all the malls and everything. Um, and they take up a proportionately too much play space because uh, already your city feels pretty constrained in that game um, in terms of just the real estate you have to work with. And so if it's just kind of a neutral, it's not really adding anything to the game to make every car have its own parking. Um, and there's a lot of cars, as I just mentioned. Um, so what we just ended up doing is just, oh, there's underground parking or every parking space can hold, you know, five virtual cars. So you might see a car pull into a shop and if it's the first car, it'll take up a parking space, but then the next four will kind of take the same parking space. And, you know, you don't really notice it unless you're really looking close, but we're just basically hiding the cars. So we're still tracking them like in, as part of the game systems, we still know they exist there. We're just not visualizing them. That's interesting, Stone, your observations about car parking, because in, in planning uh, policy, that, that whole movement of analyzing the extent of car parking, you know, what it does to cities was, was moving on at a parallel time, but it's fantastic that you were, you know, you discovered that as well at the same time. But I was going to ask the question, uh, SimCity allows users to understand that city development and management, the resources are finite. You can't have everything and choices have to be made. Do you think that, that, is a, that, that that's a positive thing, that re bringing that realism of finite choices? Yeah, that was one of the, like I mentioned, you know, trying to put educational stuff into the game. That's one of the things that I felt um, really important that was in the game. Um, and my creative director, Ocean Quigley, he was also in line with that, where like, we don't want you to believe that, say, like, if your city's running on oil, um, you know, you have like a big oil industry and that oil can last forever because it doesn't. There's no you know, real world example of, of a city who's based on a resource lasting forever. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of ghost towns all around that are ghost towns because the resource they relied on is gone. And we wanted to tell that story of the city too. That's not just about you start out with a you know, nice green pasture and you build eventually skyscrapers on it and everything's wonderful. It's like, you have to fund it somehow. And that's usually in nearby resources. So we had coal and we had oil. Um, tourism is a type of resource that we considered as well, uh, but they all kind of ebb and flow. Um, and then you have to make these hard transitions in your city. Uh, there was one, email that I got from a father who was playing with his son and was basically saying they were really enjoying the game playing together. And they had this fascinating dinner conversation about should they bulldoze the rich section of town because they found oil underneath of it. And they didn't know it was there at first, but after they built up all this like very high wealth area, they're like, should we tear this down? And it said it was, he said it was a really fascinating discussion with his son about the pros and cons of tearing down this neighborhood. But then they're like, but if it had been a low wealth area, we might've had a completely different conversation about it um, to get to those resources. And he said that was a very educational moment uh, for him, both him and his son uh, that they got through playing the game together. 
Now, Stone, um, SimCity brought city planning to the masses, as I said earlier, in a very enjoyable and understandable manner. Did you have any direct feedback from any urban planners or have you received any over the years? Um, not directly. Uh, as I was talking to a lot of different people, especially when SimCity was just launched, uh, there was some people who mentioned like, oh, this is the game that, you know, when I was young, I played it and this is why I'm in urban planning or architecture or some other fields. Um, the I think the most interesting one is we were testing the game early on and we went to two different urban planning colleges in New York and we had them play against each other in the same region. So we're like, okay, you're gonna, you know, you guys are gonna play one city and this other is gonna play another part of the region. And we're just gonna see what you do with the software. And it turned out like they, they played it more like a video game where like they were competing to like, well, I'm just gonna generate a whole bunch of smoke with my factories and try to like blow it into your city. And they were actually kind of fighting, uh, turned it into almost a war game battle, which was not our intention at all, but they were having a blast. They thought it was hilarious. Um, so they were clearly into it, but maybe not in the way we had expected. Yeah. Stone, it's an incredibly ambitious um, undertaking, um, what, what, you, what you created. And of course, there's going to be criticisms of the game. Um, what, what sort of criticisms, what were the sort of main criticisms um, about maybe the realism or whatever? And how do you respond to those criticisms? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them were valid. There's some just technical ones where we decided, for instance, to run on a server to prevent piracy, you had to log in. Um, and previous SimCities were more of a solo game that you didn't need to, to log in to play them. And so that like just made a lot of the previous fans really upset with us. Um, but some were more like, uh, say, Traffic, for instance, was one of the big ones, especially when the game first came out. There were a lot of people like, this game's terrible. I, all I have is traffic jams. I have traffic jams all the time. You can't get anything done in this city. And when you kind of look at like their cities, when you can, you know, a lot of times it's just on the internet, so you don't know really what they've done. Uh, but when you actually can look at some of their cities, they're like, they did terrible at their street planning layout. It's like, well, you have, you know, streets everywhere and there are like too many intersections. You, you need like a thoroughfare that's really wide laned within a split it off to the sides at like these different places and make sure that your police and fire are on these main routes instead of off in the corner. So some of it was just, had never had to be dealt with in previous sim cities so the model of traffic is just completely different like i discussed earlier and it just threw some people were just like oh this game's terrible like all you get is traffic in this game you can't make a good city um where the reality is like if you spend a lot of time on your streets you can get a good city but if you ignore them you're going to get traffic all the time and it's like that seems like a good city simulation uh, to me do people ever tell you that they're disappointed when they become an urban planner to discover that they're not as powerful as the game makes them out to be? <laughs> um, not directly. I did go to a conference um, about some like future city planning. Uh, they invited me and I, I felt like totally like, what, what am I doing here? Like, why did you invite me to this? Uh, but a lot of the things that they were saying, the, kind of like their frustrations were around, like, it's really hard to get the different city systems to talk to each other in a reasonable way. So the way, for instance, like the computer and data systems are stored for say the police department are different than what the hospitals or what the city government might have, um, what the, uh, the electricity or water providers have. And none of those systems will talk to each other ever. Like they're very much built just for that direct purpose. Where when we built SimCity, we wanted a universal interface for the whole thing. 
So it's really easy just to click a button and say like, oh, here's crime, here's education. Oh, look, I see like the, the relationships between these things are really clear and very graphically visually represented um, as an overlay over top of your city in 3D. Um, so the people in that conference were like, how do we make that happen? And there's this big discussion about like, that will never happen just because all of these systems were designed independently in a real city. Um, and the idea of trying to join them all together into one universal UI was just beyond the scope of what they thought would ever be able to be accomplished in a, with a normal city government. Stone, cities are messy, aren't they? And um, very messy. And they're, they're all interrelated and, and, and things have consequences. And that's what Sim city brings out to the fore the, the idea of computer simulation of different city scenarios has has tremendous potential um to for people to uh you know assess if we take these these actions these things may happen or these are sort of the flow on consequences or maybe the unexpected consequences what you've created has that great potential. Can, can you just talk to that issue? And then I want to talk to you about the problems of GIGO, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So maybe you can okay. talk to those things. Um, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, we're, since we're trying to be entertainment and not educational or not even really trying to solve city problems, maybe just make awareness of it, um, that it's difficult for us to really be in the position where we're really teaching you for real what a city is like. And by that, I mean something like in SimCity, if I want a new stadium, I just click on the palette for, you know, different things I can build. I pick the stadium. I make sure I have enough money in my bank account. And then I just drop it into the city and you get a big poof of smoke. And suddenly there's this uh, stadium there. And in the real world, it's like, you know, how many years of environmental impact studies and, you know, talking to the residents and trying to understand uh, what's that's going to do the traffic systems um, so there's so much going on in a real city that's not ever it, it wouldn't be fun or interesting to put it into a game It'd be like you know somebody mentioned to me once it's like if sim city were real you'd be spending most of your time in planning committees not actually doing anything um and <laughs> <Me too>. so <laughs> yeah, you know so that's where we're like if if we wanted to make a realistic city simulation who would play it? It's like, you know, it, you know, there's certain professionals who maybe might, you know, use it as a tool, um, but it would never be the kind of game like SimCity where, you know, it's all around the world and millions of copies have been sold of it. Um, so we actually have a lot of ability to have because of our reach, um, and we know we're going to sell certain numbers of copies of it to invest in it in a certain way. In, in this case, as a game, um, but we was, would have really hard time trying to do it, say like as um, an educational tool for schools, um, because we think, you know, EA as a company, they would just say like, that's not gonna be a good return on our investment to go into the educational system with software like this. I, I suppose uh, I, that's entirely uh, uh, understandable, Stan. You, you know, your, your role is to entertain and engage. I was thinking more like, you know, places like MIT, how they can, model certain transport um, uh, implications. You know, you're talking about the uh, gamers complaining about, oh, we've got too much traffic. And you mentioned that's because of the way that you've designed your transport network, um, that sort of thing. So that we've got tools now where, that we can do, we can assess options that we never had before. 
Yeah. So we did look at um, some of like traffic simulation software when we were working on the game and how they can make like these flows of traffic that are really in the same way that SimCity was, is based upon these agent behaviors instead of just trying to model it from the top down. They're just like, we're going to make, uh, you know, a hundred thousand little cars and we're just going to like send them into this network and just see what happens. Um, and then we can tune the lights, for instance, and the timing of the lights and see if that makes more or less traffic. Um, so those kind of systems already exist, but they're going to be very niche for, for you know traffic planners only. No one, no one else is really probably going to be too interested in them. Uh, but we did want to try to get that feeling when you're playing SimCity that you know we don't let you go and change the timing of the traffic lights because that's too low detail for us. Um, but you can change you know the widths of the roads and you can decide like where your major shopping centers are going to be, um, and that's going to have an impact on all of that too. On a similar note, Stone, um, is there a risk around computer simulation of cities ignoring the human element? So, um, you know, universal truisms about city life being things like high crime brings social dysfunction. How do you how do you build that into a simulation? Yeah, that's one of the things with SimCity 2013 that really made us decide to go for this agent-based simulation. And I had a sign over my desk that said, cities are people, not buildings. And previous SimCity games were really more about the buildings than about the people. You know, like I said, the people were just kind of this graphical representation drawn on top of the sidewalks and streets, uh, but the city kind of didn't care about them. They were generated secondly. So in trying to model it so that it's very much about the people of the city. And if there is no people, then there is no city, right? So. We wanted the players to really care about them and be attached in some ways if we could like emotionally attached to these little sims that are running around in their game um, which is going to have a different impact i think on how you care about your city and you nurture your city over time so that was one of the things we were really trying to get across with this new model that we had used for our simulation stone you, you, you know that it's an incredible incredible asset of, uh, and, and entertainment what you've created uh, what have you learnt about urban planning? And I know it's a very broad question, but what 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 sort of main thoughts have you come away now that that you know that it's been out a number of years? What sort of reflections do you have on city planning, one way or the other, or is that too a broad broader question? I mean, it's a it's a really broad question because there's so many parts of a city. Um, but it's you know, for me, just traveling around the city even though it's been a while since I worked on that game, when I look around, when I'm driving around, I'm kind of aware of, you know, every time there's a traffic jam, I'm like thinking about like, why is there a traffic jam right now? Um, but even things like, you know, say solar power or recycling, um, just little things uh, for me, you know, like getting a, an EV, um, putting solar panels on my house, being you know more into composting and recycling. So it kind of changed me in ways that I, you know, wouldn't have thought of it in before. It's like, I'm going to turn off the lights, for instance, when I leave this room, I'm going to turn off the water while I'm brushing my teeth. And a lot of that stuff would have just like, whatever, it's just water, it's just electricity. But for me, really understanding where it comes from and how the whole system works, uh, you know, that where does the water even come from in the first place? How does it get to your house? What happens to the sewage when it leaves your house? A lot of people won't spend a lot of time dwelling on that, but now I probably spend way too much time thinking about it. Um, to the point of it's kind of, you know, sometimes it'd be a distraction about like 
just getting the, the thing I want done, uh, done. So um, it has broadened me in that way. Welcome to our lives as city planners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have these thoughts constantly. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask is around um, optimum sizes for cities or stage points for different city elements. Do you think there are trigger points um, where rising populations have certain consequences? And I suppose those inputs mightn't be linear, but the consequences, um, sorry, the inputs might be linear, but the consequences aren't. Is that something that you thought about? Yeah, I thought a lot about it, but more like because I have control of it in the game, because I can just do in the game to know when those inflection points are going to be. Um, I haven't thought, like, I don't know any real world studies of the numbers. Uh, for us, if it turns out like SimCity is an open kind of sandbox game, you can do whatever you want, but a lot of players, because they're very goal driven, will give themselves goals like I want a million citizens. And so they'll work and work and work and work and try to get a million citizens and then feel like now I won the game. But um, Ocean, the creative director, he used to just like to make these very, very small, tiny cities with winding roads. And he would spend a lot of time in the 3D camera trying to find like pictures that he could take of the sunset from, you know, this cabin in the woods kind of thing. And his cities were like, didn't have a lot of people, didn't generate a lot of money, but were pretty stable. Um, it's when you start to really kind of push on it and say like, we need to get more money. So in order to get more money, we need more people. And in order to get more people, we have to have more resources to support those people. And there's a bit of a snowball effect that happens, uh, kind of like a spiral down a drain, maybe is a better metaphor, um, where it gets just very difficult to support the higher numbers um, in the game. And, you know, I assume that's like true of real cities as well. But a lot of it depends on where your income for the city is coming from. You know, is it coming from taxes? Is it coming from a you know, resource uh, that I mentioned? Is it coming from tourism? Um, so those can have a really big um, play on how big the city is going to be allowed to get before it just can't fund itself anymore. Yeah, totally. What about things like climate change and sustainability? Did they play into the design of SimCity or, or do they in, in, the, um, in the current versions that are around? Because obviously that was not a, really a consideration in the early versions. Yeah, we were really aware of it. Um, we thought about modeling it in in some way, but it's more of a global question than really a local question. Um, like if I was going to do a simulation about climate change, you kind of want to take the whole world into account. It's difficult to just do it in, you know, from one city's point of view. Um, and we had toyed around with the idea of in what well, we have regions when you're on the server and you're playing with multiple people that we could maybe, you know, say make flooding happen more often or, you know, make heat wave events. Uh, but ultimately we felt that was a little out of bounds for the simulation that we were trying to create and would have just introduced a little more complication than we wanted. Um, but I would have loved to include some of those things in there. It just was a little out of scope. Yeah, I think as you were saying earlier, it sort of plays more into um, that educational side of things and who knows in future maybe there'll be another version of SimCity that comes out that takes into account all these more realistic um, elements. Yeah because you can have a scenario for instance where you just say we're going to have our uh, you know you're an ocean town and we're going to have the water level rise and you have to deal with what are you going to do with all of those um, high value houses on the coast where are you going to move them um, and so we could do like little tiny one-off scenarios um, as opposed to trying to like solve really what's a global crisis going on right now. So you, you may have uh, heard of the smart city movement. Um, I'm not 
Yes. Yeah. And do you think, and, you know, thinking about preparing for this, SimCity may have sown some of the inspiration for that smart city movement. Any thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I'd like to believe that's true. I have no evidence on that, though. Um, But a lot of, like I said, the, the UI that we had in the game was very connected. Everything was connected together. And part of the smart city movement is to try to connect all of these systems together. Um, so I don't think it's like an original idea from our game, because uh, I'm sure cities have been wanting this for a long time, but it's the kind of thing where, oh, maybe somebody played the game when they were a teenager and they just saw that they and maybe thought that this was the way that cities work. Um, and then they find out that it's not when they get older and maybe if they're involved in the urban planning or, um, you know, with the city government, uh, they might try to push on initiatives that would help that happen. But, you know, we're seeing more and more just like the interconnection of, um, like for instance, house, you know, houses that have cameras and then the cameras can all like be used by the police department when a crime goes off in a neighborhood and they can get like every house to give me your video. Um, so we're starting to see because of the internet and the connectivity of all of the things through the internet, maybe new ways of gathering this data, um, similar with like, you know, water monitoring. So you could say like, here's a web page I could go to, to look at how my neighborhood compares with um, water conservation compared to this other neighborhood further down the street for me. Um, so those kind of things I think are really promising kind of first steps at that. Stan, this is a bit off, off script, but do you remember the first computer that, um, that you ever owned? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. And do, do you remember? Because <laughs> uh, I remember when I bought my first Apple back in the uh, early nineties. It had a, it was the pizza box version. But I'll, we'll get back to the questions. I just want to just. But do you remember? Do you remember your? Well, how did you feel when you had your first computer? So my first computer it was called an Atari four hundred, and it had a tape drive like a cassette tape you stored all your information on cassette tapes um, poorly because it almost never then read it back in again um, and all I taught myself programming back then and it was all done you'd buy a magazine that would have all the code printed in it and you'd have to retype it in by hand um, so yeah it's a, it a lot different experience but I still played a lot of games I wrote my own games even back then um, so ever since I've been a kid, uh, that computer has had a huge influence on my career up to the present day. Jess, you probably don't understand this, but uh, when I was at uni, we had this computer room. Uh, Stone, you might remember these times. And uh-huh. we, we would go and I was doing engineering, engineering for a bit and we would do Fortran and Cobalt and uh, and uh, what was the other basic one? Yeah, basic. basic. Let's see. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember the, just the, the mystical thought, uh, Stone, that you went into the computer room and you put in these cards and out came answers. And then a few years later, I, I saved up. I had to go to the bank to get a bank loan to buy my first Apple computer. And I remember taking it out of the box, Stone, I don't know if you felt the same way, but just the awe at looking at this thing and hearing it start for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I have all of those similar memories because... Um, when I was in junior high, we could plug into the, uh, the the education systems mainframe, which in my mind was you know some kind of science fiction building somewhere. Uh, I don't know what it really was, probably just a box in a closet somewhere. Um, but there was a sense of really like magic because you would like dial up on the modem and you'd be like talking to this like big brain somewhere out there, um, and, and printing out on paper the answers uh, or the you know running the programs that you had typed in. 
I mean, if you could bottle that excitement um, and and awe, Stone, but your SimCity spawned a, a myriad of games that see, seek to replicate the world in scenarios that, you know, we've moved a long way from first-person shooter sort of simulation. And, and I understand, you know, one of my sons was talking about, he plays a lawn mowing franchise game. But um, did do you think... Sim City and, and, and its offshoots have produced a richer life experience? Um, well, it depends, I guess, on the game and the person playing the game, because there's a lot of simulation games. Um, in Germany, for instance, like the, some of the simulation games are like very much simulations, like uh, garbage truck simulations, where you're a garbage truck driver, and it, basically they've modeled a garbage truck very precisely. Um, so you can have that experience of what it's like to pick up garbage and it's all in real time and you just drive down the street and, you know, try to like use your little forklift thing to lift the garbage up and dump it in the back. Um, and so they've gone, some games are like very much just about the simulation uh, to the, as high a fidelity as they can make them. Um, some other ones are more like just kind of tongue in cheek, a little more fun. Like there's a, a very popular game right now um, called Gas Station Simulation. Our simulator and you're basically find an old gas station somewhere in the middle of nowhere that's all in disrepair and you have to build it back up into a really great gas station um, and so that one's a little more not meant to be really realistic um, but it's got enough elements of it that you really feel like oh this is what it would be like to make a gas station from scratch so uh, you know SimCity, i think was one of the first computer games who that really kind of touched on that idea of using say the computer as a way of pretending to be, you know, these other things um, for a game experience. Uh, but they're just all over. If you look, you can find one for almost any kind of truck for sure now or any kind of farm vehicle. And so coming out of all the research um, and experience that you've had through through SimCity and through all of your other games that you've been involved with, are there any other particular experiments that you would like to see incorporated into future SimCity games? Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say like exactly, um, which things I would put in, um, that I really, let's see if I can phrase this the right way. I really enjoyed working on SimCity a lot and learned a lot about it and felt that I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't just making a first person shooter game where people are running around and killing each other. And so much of the video game industry is perceived as being just competition and, you know, if you're not a soldier with a gun, you're a, a spellcaster throwing fireballs, but ultimately you're solving your problems through destruction. Like you're, you're being very forceful to get to your goal. And if something gets in your way, you blow it up. And SimCity is much more about creativity and how do I solve problems like by creating? So that's the kind of game for me personally now that I'm much more interested in. Right. I think the world is filled with enough games that are you know, basically fighting games of one sort or another um, and would like to kind of see more of what about games that allow you to take care of other people, for instance, uh, what do those look like? And they give you a really rich experience in some form. Yeah. And you could actually maybe take it out of the game too and apply it to your real life and your real relationships. Mm -hmm. Because you know, if you're taking your lessons from your shooter game into your real world, yeah. every obstacle you meet is something that needs to be torn down and destroyed to get through. You know, Not maybe literally, mm -hmm. but you approach problem solving differently 
than if you had to like try to find a reasonable, sensible way around the obstacle to get to where you wanted to go instead of the forceful way. Those games certainly are a coarseness of the culture. I agree entirely, Stone. And I, I don't like the word geek, but I, but I, how you're describing it, it's it's sort of a geeky romanticism, if I could put it that way. Or there's um, there's more an enlightened approach to, to to living. I think. Do you think? Am I onto something there? Do you think? Well, I think any form of entertainment. Can, has that power for the audience who watches it, um, but people will self-select into experiences that they want. So, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like SimCity and will never even play it. The, the subject matter is just not a thing they care about. So you can't really force people to, you know, watch the documentary or play the game or, or listen to the TED talk or whatever. Uh, I think the best you could do is try to make them at least aware that that stuff exists instead of, you know, if you don't know it exists, then of course you're never going to stumble onto it. Um, but you know, that's one of the nice things about SimCity is most people, when you talk to them, it's like they've heard of SimCity even if they haven't played it, and they're aware that it exists. Um, but there's plenty, you know, the documentaries that I watch on Netflix, for instance, is like, oh, I would have never found these. Uh, you know, there's millions of things to watch, and why am I going to watch something about sewage systems? You know, that's it's not going to really go high up on my watch list. I don't know why. Sounds riveting. <laughs> it actually was like a really fascinating documentary. Like I learned so much, but uh, you know, it's not not kind of the standard thing. Well, well, we we do have tours of the sewage facility here. We're in a city that Jess and I are stone, and I've been badgering to go on one. I would love to go and just see the 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 marvelous engineering and how they the treatment. So that's the frustrated yeah. engineer in you, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, the scale of what it takes to run a city is just beyond what most people can understand until they get that chance to see it in that way. Uh, yeah. Like during the research, for instance, on the water systems, I found out that, um, I, I don't remember the town, uh, but it's in like the New England area. They have bottled water from like, you know, nature's pure spring water comes from this place. And what they found is that it actually has change the water cycle in that area mm -hmm. so the normal water cycle that you learn in school where it's like oh it's going to rain and the rain comes down and then people drink the water and then it like turns back into moisture and goes in the air and you get this continuous cycle uh, in that case because the scale of operations of taking bottled water and shipping it around the country it wasn't making that cycle complete right so there wasn't the water locally to become rain again and eventually they changed the weather in that area um, by at, at huge scale taking out so much water over so many years. Thanks for the support from Ratio Consultants who provide high quality multidisciplinary support services across all aspects of planning, transport, economic assessment and urban design. One of Australia's leading planning related consultants for over 30 years with offices in Melbourne and Geelong. See our website for details. Now Stone, I'm conscious that it has been a few years since you have worked on SimCity. What are you currently working on now? Has, has I guess, any of the learnings from SimCity um, um, influenced your current work? Uh, yes, quite a bit, in fact. Um, unfortunately, I can't talk about what I'm working on right now because I'm in the R&D department at Riot and all of our stuff's pretty top secret. So I wish I could, and maybe at some future interview, um, we can have a discussion about that, but I can't really talk about that right now. Very I will intrigued. say though, yeah. So I will, I will say though that I am, 
but as much as I can trying to take these lessons, um, you know, the game that I described, uh, for instance, about like what would be a game that would make the world kind of like maybe nicer and caring, uh, try to put as many of those elements as possible in. How do you refresh and relax time? Uh, uh, there, there's a few things. I play drums and I'm not a professional drummer. I just play just for fun every night. Um, and so that's something I always look forward to at the end of the day is just to go, it's electronic drum kit. So I just put on my headphones and, and just play for like an hour. Um, just kind of really get into that. Um, I've also been um, just reading recently some books from Ted Chang, which I don't know if you know of him. Um, it's C-H-I-A-N-G. And he writes a lot of very compelling short stories, kind of science fiction stories. Um, if, uh, if you're familiar with the movie, The yeah. Arrival, um, he's China's top science fiction writer. Is that right? Um, I don't know his background, actually. I just know his work and it's just, it's beautiful. It's fascinating. Um, and I've read most of it. He has like two collections that I know of and I've read both of them twice. Um, so they're like trilogy series and things like that. No, they're just a bunch of short stories, uh, but they cover like so many different subjects. I can't do justice in this uh, through just my description, but I would recommend uh, anybody who's into science fiction in particular to check it out. And, and we've reached Podcast Extra um, or Culture Corner, Stone, which you, you've sort of touched on already, but something you've watched, listened to, experienced lately that might be, uh, apart from the science fiction you mentioned, that might be of interest to our listeners? Oh, I guess I should have saved that answer for this question then. That's um, right. Um, yeah, a lot of... The reading that I do um, is very like magazine based. So like I went to MIT and so I get like the MIT um, journal magazine every month and kind of just try to read through that. Um, so it's not really like a, a thing that I can go out and recommend everybody do. Um, but the TV shows I watch are mostly gonna be kind of the standard whatever's top of Netflix kind of thing just to get a sense of what's going on in the, in the culture. Oh, and well, Jess, what's your podcast extra? Well, mine's a bit of a cop-out because, and it's probably a bit of a, a cheating response here, but um, I'm going to recommend playing SimCity. Um, as I said, I did download it to my phone the other night and I had a great time for a couple of hours um, playing around with it. So highly recommend to any of our um, built environment and planning uh, listeners out there just to have a play around. It's great fun and, um, yeah, just a good way to disconnect from the real world at the moment because we're all still in lockdown here in Melbourne. Yeah, and I would say that the game I worked on was not the mobile game, it was the PC game. And there is relationship between the two of them, um, but the PC game is a lot more, um, covers the things that we talked about in the talk today. Um, and there's also an expansion pack for it that I worked on too called Future Cities, where we tried to predict what a city might be like in around 2030, 2040 and added in things like how would drones affect police and fire and delivery services? Uh, what happens when you have maybe different forms of energy um, that you can create? Or what if you could just atomize garbage? So you know, turn it back into its component atoms. Um, so we have a lot of interesting research into that project, um, but I'd recommend if you're playing SimCity on the PC, uh, I find it to be a lot more enjoyable with the future cities Definitely. It's, um, it's pretty difficult to play on your phone, to be honest, because there's so much going on and so many, you know, 
communications going on with the sims and whatnot so i would i would completely agree with that i think i might um i might actually download that this week and have a play around what about you p um well stone in melbourne which where jess is and i I pop into occasionally it's just reached it's the city that's been locked down the longest of any city in the world so there's this strange little subculture that's developed which uh jess i won't i'll just say i'm aware of it um but stone we have this tradition in this country called streaking which i don't know whether you do that in the states but it's where you undress and run through the street in public. Oh places. yeah, that was that was a big thing, like the seventies or eighties here. Yeah, well, don't tell me you're doing that in uh, in Queenscliff, are you, Pete? Well, as I said in Melbourne, <laughs> Jess, but I, I'm I'm just I'll just say to listeners, I'm aware of the phenomenon, um, but because we've got curfews, Stone, the curfews come in at nine p.m. and people aren't allowed out between nine p.m. and five a.m. So there's a sort of a there's this sort of subculture of people who go streaking uh, after curfew. Um, this is and, this is uh, up there with one of your strangest recommendations, Pete. Well, well, <laughs> I'm not going to encourage people to break the law, Jess, but I'm saying that there's not many police around mostly, and um, if you hang around Smith Street, um, you might see the Smith Street streaker, Jess and Stone. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, the- All right. Well, I definitely won't be hanging out there, but uh, <laughs> I definitely you can send won't me videos, I guess, or links. I'll, I well, can check it out. You might see it on Facebook. But uh, um, Stone, I won't ask you whether you've ever gone streaking. You're, you're too sensible for that, I'm sure. Um, no, I have not. So I'll, I'll answer truthfully. <laughs> okay. I won't ask you either, Jess. But um, I won't but, ask you either. <laughs> well, you know what the answer is, Jess. So, um, so Stone, thank you so much. And thank you from, 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 me for creating such a wonderful um wonderful product wonderful entertainment um it's like speaking to an author of a of a great book um okay so I, let me clarify that like even though i was a lead designer on it um it's a huge team project and so i i would not consider myself the author of it at all and i need to make sure that the rest of the team you know gets their due because we had it was about a four-year-long project maybe cost around 50 to 60 million dollars in all told to build and um uh, you know 100 people working on it uh, passionate artists engineers marketing people um so getting any video game at that scale out the door uh, just it's a really big team effort well that, that, that's a that's an excellent point stone and I, I i correct myself i'm i'm right um but to one of the creators of a of a marvelous um marvelous product um a great thing for all of us um I'm really grateful um, for you and the huge team that worked on it. And so thanks for joining our little podcast and we really enjoyed it. So yeah, I enjoyed it too. It was great talking about this stuff. I'm always really, I'm very passionate about the subject as maybe you can tell and always happy to share. Thanks so much, Stone. And thanks, Jess. Thanks, Stone. Thanks, Pete. All right. Thanks to both of you. Mm -hmm.